we should be thinking about optimizing how we work and not where we work. Creating global standards on remote work that are remote first. Insured Nomads proudly supports the new Nomad podcast. Insured Nomads for the evolution of insurance, for the revolution of travel. For all your travel, medical, and support needs, please visit our website at insurednomads.com. We support our location-independent community worldwide. Welcome to the New Nomad Podcast, hosted by Alan and Andrew of Insured Nomads. Join us as Alan and Andrew interview and explore the community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Tune in to incredible discussions with thought leaders each week that will help you take full advantage of the cross-border remote work lifestyle. Now here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of the New Nomad Podcast. Evo Shapar will join us today, CEO of Remote How, somebody who is a big leader in the remote work movement, wrote a book, Remote Work is the Way, He's been a slow mad, They've got some really interesting findings. Actually, I was really interested. I looked at his LinkedIn. He, he posted something interesting. I also thought was like, 87% of employees find themselves as productive and only 12% of leaders believe that fact. Uh, so we're going to have some Ooh. great conversations today. Yes, that's quite a big divergence in perspective. Andrew, you know, you've been a big purveyor of remote work, travel, and exploring the world. Hearing those type of numbers, does that surprise you that people perhaps maybe who have not been working remotely would look at kind of productivity level and, and kind of think it's less productive than it actually is? I believe that's is very true in many cultures, many corporate cultures. I recall a time when I was the first remote worker for a company and the leadership felt that, you know, fought against it when I requested to work remotely and, and still all throughout my time there felt that, you know, there's a big mistrust factor except for my direct report, who saw the results, you know? And I was like, no, you are productive. You are bringing it in. So I believe in that statement for sure. This is going to be fun because I know that the leadership of the Remote First Institute is something that he'll be able to talk about and so much more that's happening in this movement around the world. It's not new, but it's in the spotlight for many people. So this is going to be a great conversation to see what he gets to bring to our audience. Thanks for listening and be sure and subscribe, share it, write a review, all that kind of stuff. But it's great to have this guest with us today. So let's bring uh, Evo in. And Evo, you've run distributed teams in 128 countries. You've written a book. You've done studies. And you know, you know, it's interesting. I talk to people, it always seems to be the focus is on productivity. But you know, as I talk to leaders also, there has to be something to happiness, of your employees, you know, people wanting to work for your company. And then I'll even get into the monetary issues is, you know, having big office buildings in expensive cities is also a cost that needs to be brought into the, the picture too. Not just the other things of, you know, I don't see my people every day. You kind of got to trust your workers. So you know more about this th than we do. What's your thoughts on what's going on with people's perspectives here? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. And what we see today is a couple of things. So first of all, people are afraid of change, uh, just in general, no matter work, life. And this is what's kind of what happened out of the blue in 2020. Uh, so there was no more discussion. Should we be working remotely or not? It just happened, right? But right now, because it might become permanent, 
permanent, people are afraid. And especially leaders, why leaders are afraid? Because first of all, they're afraid that they will lose control. Why? Because in most cases, they don't trust their employees that they're actually working. Why this is happening? Because unfortunately, many team leaders are simply bad managers. They're not mentors. Uh, they don't know how to organize day-to-day -day work. This work is very synchronous. It's hard to define goals. And the list goes on and on, right? They, they know, don't know how to build the culture, et cetera, and stuff, right? So um, if you if you look at the perspective of like, hey, let's go back to the old good times. We're just coming to one place. And in theory, the work was happening. This is kind of this feeling that, that right now we see. But there is a huge mistake with this thinking because we are assuming that in the office, the work was happening and we were super productive, efficient, and that was the paradise, right? <laughs> and uh, because we've been doing this for so long, Remote How, since 2017, one of the themes that we kept hearing before 2020 was like this sentence, I need to get stuff done. I will work from home today. And it was insane when I keep hearing, hearing this because the office was supposed to be the place where you work, right? So it's a huge shift. People are afraid of the change. People in control are afraid that they will lose the, 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 the control. On the other side, the, the study that you mentioned showing that people are productive. This is the study by Microsoft, over 20,000 people surveyed. So this is a legit data because employees are still dictating terms. And, and this is a, this is a good thing. And they learn that there is a huge positive impact on their life if they can work remotely. They can do other things before work, during work, after work, that there is a better work-life blend and the list goes on and on, on on the benefits. There is a clash. And this is what we what we see now. And that's also one of the reasons why we decided to launch Remote First Institute because the world needs us, that the remote community, the experts, the practitioners to come together and really to help the market overcome these, uh, these challenges. Evo, I even think about it today. So here in the United States is a hurricane going through Florida. And if everybody worked at a centralized location in, let's say, for instance, Naples, you'd be out of business. And then you work, if you have a distributed team that works remotely, it gives you redundancies. It gives you backups. It gives you safety. And when I see a study like that, to your point, I think there are certain managers who like to manage by the old fashioned by walking around. And, you know, even in this remote work area, you can manage by walking around by virtually checking in with people, right? I mean, it's, is it that different other than bringing people to a centralized location where actually I think even during the pandemic, you, you bring 400 people together in a building and one of them has COVID, all of a sudden you have yeah. 100 people with COVID. I mean, I just don't understand yeah. how people could say centralized so, is better. Yeah. So a lot of the things, if we, if we are past the mindset phase, right? So if it's okay, let's do it. Let's learn how to do it. It's, it's actually about relearning how you're working. The legacy of inefficiencies that, that existed for years, for decades, they're still with us. And of course, leadership part is one of them. Internal processes, how we communicate, how we build the documentation inside the company, and the list goes on and on. Those are all the things where the location doesn't matter. It's simply we need to know how we should be working. And this is the time to relearn, right? So there is this huge experiment that happened within the last two and a half years. 
that we can work remotely. And right now we just need to understand that there will be time that is needed, resources to relearn. And location teams that are still looking to meet in person or, or employees, this is totally fine. We're not saying that the offices should be gone and we should be we, sh- we should forget about this concept. No, no, absolutely not. What we're saying is that you should have a freedom of choice. And if you're choosing the office, that's amazing. If you're choosing a co-working space, a beach, a woods, mountains, that's also great, right? Or if you were choosing your own home, right? Because at the end of the day, you have a goal or multiple goals to hit throughout your month or quarter. And this is what you, what you should focus on. And the manager should build an environment where you feel happy, where you feel supported, and you're focusing on your on your outcome. Those are the basics and those are the things that are completely unrelated to remote work itself. Those are the things that we should be doing anyway. Um, but because of this shift and because of this pushback, when we're talking about best practices, they're like, okay, yeah, th- that makes sense. But yes, it completely makes sense. It doesn't matter where you are. This is how you should be working. So when you look at the companies like Doist, like GitLab, who are extremely proficient in, in how they're working, this is the work culture or work culture examples that we should be looking and be inspired and then start implementing things rather than having the discussion where people are and, and how we're tracking them, etc. And, and one of the things to your point about checking in, I would actually argue that we should change the way how we're managing and communicating from a very synchronous way. So checking in, messaging, calling, um, having unexpected meetings, etc. into a more async way where we are sending thoughtful messages. It can be written message. It, it can be video, right? Have an internal policy around communication. There is an SLA service level agreement that if it's urgent, you need to respond within five minutes. But if it's about a workshop that is happening in a month, you can respond tomorrow or even in three days right but because this is a behavioral change and a lot of people need to relearn or learn completely new habits new rituals it simply will take time and it's not just happen it doesn't happen just with a click right so it's a process and some will it pay. is yeah i've i've attended some events that you've coordinated you and your team at remote first institute and it's interesting you get in that atmosphere and your mind shifts yeah. You realize some things, some behaviors that need to be changed. And I've got plenty of those. So getting into those environments, we get fertilizer for our mind, for our hands to shift how we operate. Can you tell us a bit more about Remote First Institute, what the goal is? You know, I've seen it. The founding members are outstanding. They're, they are voices to be listened to. Uh, dive into that a little bit, if you will. Yes. A couple of months ago, when more and more reports start to come with a predefined thesis that we should be going back to the office and this is the only option <laughs> moving forward, we were like, hey, hey, hey. So the office lobby is pushing their narrative. They are spending millions of dollars on, on PR, while on the other side, the remote work community is doing a lot, but it's not so super coordinated and a lot of the projects are driven on the from the commercial side because those are the tech companies they're of course offering certain products etc so we decided that we need to come together build something that is not for profit with a couple of goals in mind so first of all the big picture counter attack that the global back to the office movement because the work can be done 
from anywhere and we should be thinking about optimizing how we work and not where we work. Creating global standards on remote work that are remote first. We have a lot of knowledge out there. In many cases, those are pretty vague blocks where it's like top 10 tricks on doing ABC, right? But if you then dive deeper in and look into tactical aspects, like, okay, like how this process should look like, how should I communicate it within the company, how it should be run, what kind of tools, et cetera, et cetera, then it becomes tricky. So building this kind of Bible, <laughs> this kind of a playbook, right? Handbook, that's kind of another aspect. And then of course, around all of this, bringing people together from all over the world through the, the events that you, Andrew, mentioned, the, the workshops, keynotes, networking sessions, deep working sessions, roundtables to enable people to share uh, the ones that are experienced and been doing this for years and enable the ones that want to ask questions directly and, and discuss and then implement something and then come back together. Hey, this worked, but this didn't. What can I improve, etc. Right? The era of uh, watching videos and then saying, okay, I've watched the video on how to run a meeting. That means I know how to run a meeting. It's over. <laughs> and that people are sick of watching <laughs> instructional videos. Uh, people prefer to have a live interaction uh, to be able to ask questions and then implement and then come back, etc. So we are building this environment where companies can meet with X and, and actually go, go remote first. Super early days. We just launched not even three weeks ago, but the response is amazing. And, and we're looking to produce also researches around remote work, host uh, summits, build a lot of the tools uh, that will be op open source to, to the community because the power that the community had before pandemic, that the remote work community was amazing. And right now we want to bring this power, bring this knowledge and share it with uh, as large community as possible uh, all over the world. So you keynoted something that, that ties into your comments is recently, you know, how to successfully implement remote first rituals for your company. Now, Andrew and I work at a remote company. We have our people all around the world and we do a, a period of gratitude often before we, we start into business. We do some virtual events where we get together in our offices and we all come together in the virtual conference room and enjoy each other. Do you have a couple of tips for folks who are starting off on some of the rituals that you think help bring teams together based upon your, your keynote and, and some of your findings? Yes, there are a couple of them really simple. So one thing they really like is a ritual called the daily check-in and check-out, which means that when you're starting your day, uh, either you're using Slack, MS Teams, no, no matter that communication system, uh, you're posting a message. This is my check-in. This is what I'm planning to do on this specific day. You can link it to your project management tool. You can list your meetings, etc. But it needs to be super specific, right? And then at the end of the day, you're sending a checkout. This is what I've done. Da -da -da -da. This is what I haven't done because of some problems, right? It's super simple, but it creates a transparency of work for everyone on your team. If it's a company for the whole company, it depends on how you want to structure this. It builds trust because people are committing. So it builds also accountability. This is my plan for today. But then at the end of the day, maybe I've done everything, maybe not, uh, but at least I'm, I'm transparent about this, right? So it's super simple. Teams are starting to implement it and they see results immediately. And especially it's really good for the manager who has some challenges with, with the things that, I, that I've that i mentioned. So this will be a, a super easy ritual to, to implement. Another one they really like uh, is called the deep working session. So people are coming together for 55 minutes, 55 minutes to an hour. They're sharing at the beginning of the call what they plan to achieve. They're putting their phones away. They're muting notifications. And I will write 10 slides. I will reply to 10 emails. It's like super, super specific. And if there are more than like five to 10 people, so it doesn't bring, uh, get like too much time in the beginning to share, you can also write it on chat. 
you turn off your video, you turn off your, um, your, your, your microphone, you're putting the music in the background and then people are just working, working, working at the end, you're sharing what you've managed uh, to do and, um, and what were the results. Super easy to rituals uh, on, on productivity. And then maybe another one more general around communication because companies need to switch to more async communication and there are a lot of small best practices and kind of rules that you need to follow we encourage companies to have to enable people to give direct feedback if someone is not following the rules right not my favorite way of doing this so i will give you an example you should be writing messages in the same thread right so i'm sending the message and then we should continue in a thread and if someone is not responding in a thread then i'm sending my gif with a, a hash slack police and those are like the two cops that that are looking at you, right? So it's a super simple way every day to remind people that, hey, we agreed on doing something in a specific way, and then we enable anyone to just remind each other that we should be doing this. So kind of like a small ritual for everyone, because at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that we should be doing, but everyone should be the ambassador of the change. You should be doing things, but you also you should be supporting others in in these tiny tiny rituals. So yeah, the list is super super long. We don't have much time, but I hope that the these examples are, are helpful. Evo, very helpful. What's the uh, position of the Institute of the findings on the four day work week versus the mm. five day work week? Yeah, to be honest, it's currently a bit out of our scope, but I'm personally a huge believer in the, in the four day work week. And, and you can see studies all over the place proving that people are productivity is the same. The happiness goes up and engagement goes up, et cetera. So I totally believe that this is the future. It's kind of a, another shift that needs to happen. So companies might feel overwhelmed, like remote work and now working less. And what's next? Not working at all. Or <laughs> so it will be, it will be a slow revolution, but looking at the experiment that is happening right now with the, like, I guess, 80 different companies in US and UK and, and it's growing and, and the first results are, are super promising. This is the future and, and companies management that understands that this is the way to go will benefit a lot when it comes to talent attraction and talent retention. Same as CEOs, uh, remote companies were doing uh, before March 2020. It's kind of a similar approach here. Yeah, this is interesting. I've noticed myself on weeks where there's a holiday and in some area of the world where I end up taking that day as a holiday and it's a four day week yeah, versus yeah, a seven yeah. <laughs> versus a seven day week for me. It's a, it's a, it's a six day week. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's when you're running movements and, and different yeah. um, enterprises, you end up working seven days, but a holiday yeah. brings it into where you have a six day week. No, yeah. it's no, no, no boundaries, I, boundaries truly. I, but, but yes. And to your point, this is kind of like, we're talking a lot about that, the positive sides of remote work, but we also need to be aware that there are pitfalls or potential pitfalls. And the one that you mentioned, like overworking, working too much and then burning out. And this is something that also needs to be taken into, into consideration that it, and the company needs to build the environment that monitors that and supports if it's, there's such a need for an intervention. Well, you know, it's easy, interesting, because I worked for a period of time in a test project of the four day work week, except what, what we did our company was it was four days at 10 hours so we didn't change the hours at all 
you know, and, and I'm hearing more people saying about the four day work week. It's yeah. It's, so it's kind of like what really changed other than the folks that had really yeah. long commutes. This was back in the center. They appreciated it because if you're driving an hour, you don't mind working 10 hours and then having a Monday or a Friday yeah. off. But to me, and I think we all live this is even on our days off, even on our vacation, like Andrew described, he probably is checking the computer and taking care of issues for an no. hour or two. I'm deleting. So I started uh, this uh, this thing. I think it was like two years ago or something. So I delete all my app work related apps from my phone, completely deleting them when I'm going on vacation. And then this year I started to do it also on Fridays. So Friday afternoon, I'm deleting four or five apps and then reinstalling them on, on Monday. Yes, I know that I can snooze notifications, et cetera, et cetera, but sometimes it's too tempting. So I'm just deleting and then coming back to this on Monday. So that's wild. So our podcast is also not always about remote work, but about visiting and, and going to different locations. So you've lived remotely in 17 or 18 different countries. For our audience, do you have a couple of suggested locations that people would want to consider if, if they were to follow this lifestyle that you felt of those 17 countries were really good? And maybe even a couple that yeah. you might say, hey, this might be a little harder than you expect to work uh, remotely yet. <laughs> yes. So we lived for one and a half year in Vietnam. So this will be my number one recommendation, especially Hoi An, so the central Vietnam. Everything is amazing there, starting from weather, landscape, people, food. Of course, the internet is super fast, uh, their co-working spaces, there is actually also an expert community in Hoi An. So everything clicks there. Big, big fan of the culture that is in Vietnam, which is about community first. So it's completely different than our Western culture that it's about me, 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 me. So that's also a big change in the, in the perspective when, when you live there. So that would be number one. Very close to Vietnam, a place that I wouldn't recommend, Cambodia. I wouldn't recommend because of the issues with the electricity, which then impacts internet, so you're not actually able to work. And also that the government there did a big, big mistake that Chinese companies are allowed to buy land and then they buy land and then build casinos. And there is this one place where they are building currently over 150 casinos, which was a very calm and charming fisherman village, right? Um, so Vietnam, absolutely. Yes, Cambodia, not so much. Places that I would also recommend, obviously, Bali, but here you need to be careful because this is like a go-to place for digital nomads. So it can get crowded and can get crazy, but there's still, this is an amazing culture, amazing place um, to go. Thailand, but specifically one island, big fan of Koh Phangan. So it's next to Koh Samui, great co-working places, chilled vibes on the west side of the island, yoga, beautiful beaches, and then on the east side, crazy moon party so you can choose whatever uh, whatever you want mm, then I think also coming back to Europe Portugal a big one not just Lisbon but there are more and more uh, more and more places uh, also including Madeira the, their island mm, everyone knows Canary Islands but there are many many islands so then which one so I would suggest Tenerife because it's both green you can also surf and there's community also very interesting community that happening in Gran Canaria that, that Nacho build around there repeat what else? I'm a big fan of Italy, but because of food and and, and, and the vibe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> rather, I'm, rather... I'm with you there. <laughs> um, but if there is an overlooked person or place, even experience that you feel like that our oh, listeners yes. should put oh, on yes. their calendar experience. next year, yes. um, um, you know, what would you think that would be? 
Yes, 200%. Uh, Northern Vietnam at the border with China on motorbikes. Basically, we spent a month there working and traveling. Mm, you can go from uh, Hanoi to Sapa and then you can travel around Sapa and then you should do the Hajiang loop, which is basically like a loop that it can take you from three days to three weeks, depending how many stops you take. Amazing views. Basically, like every day, it looks like you're in a different planet. People in Vietnam are amazing everywhere, super welcoming. The food is amazing everywhere as well. And the internet connection is also good. So it's not maybe a place where you will be working eight hours a day. I mean, you can't. And I was doing this because I was waking up at 5.30 and then the, our whole crew, because we're like 10 or 12 people were still sleepy. I was doing the stuff and then we we're hitting the road and then <laughs> later on as well. Uh, but it's totally doable. The time when to go there, we were there in October, November. And that's actually the time when there are typhoons hitting the central Vietnam. So also with Vietnam, it's really good to, to look up the, um, the weather because it's for most of the year, it's hot, but then there's a rainy seasons that differs uh, depending if it's South, North or Central Vietnam. But definitely Hajang Loop, Sapa, Northern Vietnam, close to the border with China, outstanding experience on motorbikes. So I strongly encourage everyone to, uh, to check this out. Evo, that sounds great because I'm going to be in Hanoi in January and heading oh, on to, to uh, go. Cambodia. Oh, you need to go. So, so I was taking <laughs> copious notes on your comments there. Please do, please do. Connect with me later on and I will send you the full <laughs> full info. That, that would be fantastic. So for folks who want to connect with you and Remote How, please uh, share with us how they can touch with you and also perhaps uh, get a copy of your book, Remote Work is the Way. Yes, probably the best way is LinkedIn. So just find me, Ivo Shapar, on LinkedIn or you can go to our website, uh, remote-how.com. If you're interested in joining the community of the Remote First Institute, it's remote-first.institute. The re book, Remote Work is the Way, is available on Amazon and millions of other, other places that yeah. I'm not even tracking. Yeah, and if, if you have any questions or, or maybe challenges within your team, within the company, I'm always more than happy uh, to help or connect you with one of our um, experts to, um, to help you make remote work work. Evo, thank you very much. Very enlightening. So Andrew, as we always tie together, what did we learn today? There were some good points on techniques for the check-in, check-out that I took note of because that is the element of transparency and trust and because some people don't trust by nature because they're still apprehensive. Are people actually doing anything because I can't see them? So that's a big factor when you when you know people are working hard, but yet others on the team are kind of curious of what are they doing? That stood out to me. This has been so much fun hearing some of the, the nuggets of experience that that have been brought out. How about you, Alan? What's one of the takeaways that you... I love that too, because what, what Evo mentioned also about the check-in and check-out is you know, every day I do a little less you know technology. I write down on my little pad... Here's the things I need to do today and you cross it off and you often carry it on to the next day. So I think it's good to have your own ritual of checking in and checking out. And from a group setting, while we trust the people we work with, it's also nice to kind of verify what's going on. But what I really appreciate also is what Remote How and, and the Institute in general is doing, which is bringing to people's attention that this makes a lot of sense. And there are times that you know, remote work doesn't make sense. If I worked on a production line, I got to be there. But frankly, if I work for an insurance company and I've remo worked remotely now for over nine years between insured nomads and my previous employer, I felt I was much more productive. 
I felt I could maintain a level of sanity that you really can't if you're always going in the office. And then I think with COVID, you learn that you bring people to a centralized location, you bring people to a place that can be either a vector for getting sick, or like we see with some of these natural disasters, if everybody has to come into the same geographic area, your business continuity plans don't make a lot of sense because we're all tied in. So um, I really appreciate what they're doing. So I learned quite a bit today. I hope members of our audience did too. Please, if you enjoyed this podcast, tell others about the new Nomad podcast. People tend to find us through word of mouth. So once again, please continue to travel safely. Please continue to work remotely safely. And we look forward to hearing you again on another episode of the new Nomad podcast. Thank you very much. Insured Nomads proudly supports the new Nomad podcast. Insured Nomads for the evolution of insurance, for the revolution of travel. For all your travel, medical, and support needs, please visit our website at insurednomads.com. We support our location-independent community worldwide. Thanks for tuning in to the new Nomad Podcast, where we bring together an incredible community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For more amazing tips to help you take advantage of the cross-border lifestyle, please visit us at insurednomads.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.